Hello, everybody. Welcome to the newly named uh, podcast called The Athlete's Resource. It is I, Pete, and joining me again is Chris Barrett, registered dietitian. And we are going to be addressing today a listener question. Uh, One of my three listeners to the podcast uh, sent me a text today asking me this. And I'm just going to try to keep this anonymous. Uh, Asking for a myth-busting podcast on quote-unquote shocking the body with cheat days. Uh, My buddy said I listened to a podcast the other day about uh, a a professional athlete that um, intermittent fasts uh, Monday through Saturday. So from 12 to 8, they eat with workouts uh, every day. And then the athlete intentionally consumes pizza, fast food, whatever on Sunday to confuse the body with thinking that it makes the body work harder to break down foods. Uh, So where should we start? (laughs) So first let's identify what a cheat meal is first. I think that's the first place to start. Cheat meal. So yeah. It's different than a cheat day. Right. So uh cheat so it came out I would say I'm gonna say the early two thousands. Um and what happened was they basically said that you can have one meal which could be in larger quantities, right? And usually have like a higher calorie food that you're usually restricting throughout the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. Right. So for many people, it could be something like you were saying, sort of like pizza, hamburgers. And they're trying to be sort of I hate using this term, but they're sort of being clean eaters throughout the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. That's just a term I think the listeners will understand. Yeah. So think of like they're restricting like their higher calorie foods Mm -hmm. um, throughout the week. So you hear like the 80, 20 rules. Yeah. So. Upwards of 80 to 90% of the time, they're consuming, they're clean eating, quote unquote. Right. And then they have one meal during the week that is not clean. Right. Okay. Right. So, and then calorie the, dense. Yeah. So then there are other people. Um, so, before I do that too, if you've ever seen like The Rock is a, a perfect example, he would like have like plates of like pasta or pizza or like. <clears throat> An enormous amount of food. Should we talk about the difference between The Rock and everybody else? That's true. <laughs> but The Rock is a good example of, like, if you ever go to his Instagram page, he'll ha- he previously had, like, his cheat meals mm-hmm. on there. Um, but like you said, Pete, Pete, The Rock is different. The Rock is different <laughs> for reasons that might be unprofessional oh, for sure. to, to discuss. Right. But he wouldn't be able to play professional sports. <laughs> no, no. And, and uh, that doesn't undermine in any way his no. effort. I think that that's... No. Um, he would not be anywhere where he is without his effort. However, to achieve that physique that he has, right, um, it's enhanced. Okay, <laughs> we could we could toss around that word. We could toss around that word. Yeah, but you know enough about the rock. But I think so, and then <clears throat> we can go to the whole other idea where some individuals do a quote unquote cheat day, mm-hmm. where essentially they're able to limit their overall intake. Right throughout the rest of the week, like they did before, but on this certain day, they just have uh, higher calorie foods, mm-hmm. or they don't think as much about their food intake. Mm-hmm. Now, 
uh, so in previous episodes, we've delineated like the difference between could this be helpful for an elite athlete versus general population. Right. Right. Uh, could that apply to this, that framework? So I would say no. I would say no. I would so say this is generally applicable. Right. I would say it's generally applicable for everybody. Okay. Um, just from a dietary perspective, from a psychological perspective, you'd be able to say better than I would. Yeah. Um, but from a dietary perspective, I still think there there are pros and cons to it. Yeah. Like we sort of previously talked about before. Um, pro, right? So you want to hop right into it. Yeah. So pro would actually be to have the ability to keep a diet sustainable long term right so, so improving the majority of their eating patterns yep. over the course of the week yep. right so let's say they do a cheat meal right and every other meal that they have throughout the rest of the week is full of fruits vegetables whole grains lean proteins then the main <clears throat> idea then is let's say they eat three meals a day so it's 21 meals per week 20 out of 21 meals per week are high quality. Mm-hmm. That's much above 90%. Yes. Right? So that's a positive thing. Yep. And I think if they do that, and then we'll probably get into this later on, but it'll prevent overeating throughout the rest of the week because they know that that's coming. Can I put a little asterisk, though? Yes. So do you know the reason why cheat meals were first initially started? Nope. So, one, right, so they, there's, I'm going to say, some type of research out there that says it actually helps with metabolism, if people are in a super calorie deficit, okay. right? I'm not, a, I'm not in that party at all. So, but, like, would it yeah. be like glycogen building? Yeah, right? so almost like it, a carbohydrate load. <clears throat> yeah, so it, for a person who's training um, either fasted or in a caloric deficit this right. is an opportunity you have like your kind of jolt yeah. of, so of think glycogen. about like a marathon runner and they carbohydrate load for that day before yes <clears throat> this is essentially if that person does a long run the next day they probably feel really really good right. uh, for a long duration however the other thing is cheat meals initially were started so people would eat so much of it they wouldn't want it anymore yep so Again, I, then I, and, and we both have personal experience doing this too. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, I would say it's, it's that whole idea of sort of almost uh, overabundance, right? It's like stocking. We were talking yeah. about this, right? So you eat so much of it that you just don't want it anymore. Yep. <clears throat> it's, this is really, for me, from a psychological perspective, really murky waters because mm-hmm. I, it really depends on why. I agree. It depends on why you're doing it. Do you, um, are you doing it because you feel like you reach your breaking point in terms of your capacity to exert self-control over yourself? And it's kind of like this, um, you know, the crack in the dam. So it just right. boom, explodes and, and you're, off, you know, you're just For sure. eating whatever forever how much. <clears throat> yeah. Um, is it, you know... Um, do you believe that there's some health benefit to this? Um, it's it get you have to really get a sense of the person's motivation. Yeah, so I'm just gonna go towards general population real quick. Okay. I personally think that somebody when they do a cheat meal, things like that, 
I actually don't understand why they don't just have those throughout the week scattered, right? Like just a smaller amount just yep. scattered throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's difficult for many people to control portion sizes, right? Right. But even even that, like even if they have a dessert or two during the week, we'll use a dessert as an example, right? Um, they still can, um, they still can sort of consume some bits and pieces throughout the week, but right. they're still at that higher percentage, that eighty percent. Um, so you said you don't know why they they don't do that. Yeah. And I think you you began to answer your own question. Okay. Right. It's a, it's a self control thing. Right. Right. That um, I don't know if I have a <clears throat> Oreo if I can just have one or two Oreos. Right. Um, I think that, uh, I think that is a piece there. Okay. And we've talked about this before yeah. on, on, you know, when you and I have, you know, talked on the podcast about right. the foods that we're typically consuming in a quote unquote cheat meal are hyper palatable. Right. They are not engineered to be consumed in the recommended portion size. Right. And just like with any other dietary restriction, right, any other type of diet out there, it's restricting it over if it's intermittent fasting over a certain time or if it's like ketogenic, uh, eliminating a whole food group. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's the same thing with the cheat meal. Mm-hmm. It's just eliminated so it's a certain day. Yeah. That's all. So you get exposure to that. Yeah. Experience. I, you know... <laughs> I think I have a different perspective than what you offered. I think it might. It depends, again, on the goal. Like, if your goal is weight loss, I would say, and it's, well, it gets really tricky, right? So what I'm thinking about is a general population person comparing themselves to the diet and lifestyle habit of an elite athlete. Right. And that's a trap. Sure. That's a trap. Definitely. Um because we are all largely sedentary. Yeah, right? and it's interesting because you see those articles all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, what do they eat? Or what do the elite athletes eat? What do elite athletes eat? You know, they they do whatever they do. They have the, what's the Tom Brady diet? TV something? TV 12. TV 12. They have the Tom Brady <laughs> diet. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, I think, principles that get missed. Uh-huh. Uh, when we compare ourselves to to an elite athlete who is who is a a statistical outlier of genetic nor- normality for sure right so understanding that that person could probably consume you know to use some of the language we used earlier have a lot more cheat like foods and their body composition would probably remain pretty similar Mm-hmm. Because of their level of output, right? Um, if they're if they are training as an elite athlete, right? Um, it's just that I, that just feels like a trap to me. I agree. Oh, I think yeah, I agree one hundred percent. And I think the idea when you hear those like meals that people eat or athletes eat, mm-hmm. I think for the general population, take the concept of what they're doing. Mm-hmm but watch the portion size of what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? So to make to, to, to clarify, basically look at what the quality of their meal looks like, but don't eat what quantity they eat because you don't need that much. 
That's another good point. Because the output that you talked about, that output's so high. Yeah. Right? And think about this. So let's use the rock again. His, like, his meals are going to be larger. He's just a larger human. Yes. Right? Plus he also is just more muscle bound. Mm-hmm. So like we were, I think we actually talked about this right before that we started uh, the podcast, but when you have more muscle mass, it's more energy, energy needing. Yes. Right? So you need more energy just to hold on to muscle mass. Mm-hmm. Right? So eating more frequently, eating maybe potentially more calories, those are all important. Right. The other thing that, you know, my friend, the another piece I picked up in the text was, um, and I, um, I'm going to say this in a way that's joking, but I'm not trying to be... Uh, be a jerk is like that it sounds like that person is just following like an internet diet mm-hmm. right that's yeah. that's kind of like what is what is hot right now what has been hot for the past five years is yep. um if you are training intermittent fasting with glycogen repleting right so sure. you know um and i think we were talking about we were before the podcast we were talking about how to frame this and just throwing the idea out there, is that okay? Right? Is it okay? Yeah, I mean, is it okay for a general population person to, to utilize a protocol like that? Um, yeah, so biggest thing I would say, first off, right, is you said this person was an athlete, right? The person texting? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, they were in the past. Okay. They were in the past. Now they are a general population, full-time Adult parenting, working. Got it. Um, So the person who's doing the twelve to eight, and then the cheat meal on Saturday or whatever they. That is a that is the athlete. That's the athlete. Okay. So with that athlete, my first thought is how often and when are they practicing? Mm -hmm. Because if they're practicing at six a.m. and they're not eating, oh, that's not good at all. But Chris. I'm definitely. What does the internet say? The, I don't know what the internet says. That's the first know. piece we, of advice that I give to my patients: get off the internet. Yeah. Why? Because there's so much information out there. I think. Well, one for general pop is you have this analysis or paralysis by analysis because there's so much information you don't know where to look, so right. they just give up. Yeah. Um, and but, be, go ahead. No, but this ad, the, before if you have to say something, but before this. The thing I got from this is from 12, basically from whenever they wake up in the morning till 12 o'clock, that's a long period without eating. Mm -hmm. And if this person is trying to be super competitive, right, you're missing a huge window into getting calories in. Mm -hmm. And why is that important? Uh, It's important because one, you need more calories if you're an athlete, right? Like we just talked about, Mm -hmm. right? You have a higher output, so you need to make sure that you have a higher input, Mm -hmm. right? The other thing, and I don't know if I said this, there's a research study, oh, the, the researchers slip in my name. Um, but what they showed is people who eat closer to what they need, the energy balance, essentially, they're actually leaner versus people who are in a huge deficit. Mm-hmm. So, because um, I think one thing that Americans or people in general confuse is the idea of leanness. You can be lean and super thin, and mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. Right. right. Or you could be muscular and lean. Mm-hmm. Right. Most people who are muscular and lean are going to be close to that energy balance. 
right? And I don't know, an athlete, in my opinion, if I was coach, I would want the latter, muscular yes. and lean versus right. just lean. Yeah, I think, uh, I agree. I know, I blew up a lot of, I put a lot of things into that one. Oh, you did. So. I, I think it was perfect. It was perfect. I, th- I think what, a, what the general population is missing is that they are getting, the information they're getting is from podcasts, yep. articles. Except um, ours. Ours is good. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, Joe Rogan experience. Yeah. Love you, Joe, if you're listening. <laughs> Listen to podcasts all the time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> things like that. Yeah. These are not people who are clinicians or researchers. Right. And the people who they have on who are recommending diets are yeah. not researchers or clinicians in the in their field. Right. So or, or in the field of nutrition or dietetics. For sure. Definitely, right? So but I think that that's the area where I get a little frustrated and I were going off a little topic here, but um, that's where I get frustrated because those people have more of an influence than, say, you or I. Correct. We can only see so many people per day. Yep. But these people are reaching hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. just with a single post. Yep. Yep. You know, and just going back to the the comment that was made, the thing that stuck out to me was confuse his body. Mm-hmm. Your body doesn't need to be confused. Your body does a totally fine job with everything that you take in. So would you say... That's bro science? I would definitely say it's bro science. Okay. The other thing is, it's if, if you want to put it this way, is you need to provide a different stimulus, <coughs> right? So a different stimulus is if you have a hard workout, to make sure you consume enough carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. However, you need to train your body to do that. You can't just say, oh, I'm just going to start taking in a lot. Mm-hmm. Because your body, one, doesn't have sort of the cellular mechanism to do it yet, right? But you also want to consider... Like confusing the body, that reminded me of the sort of like the early two thousands with like the home workouts, right? And muscle like confusion. Mus- yeah, muscle confusion. Uh, I, I use that term with you, and you like you didn't even know it. You just laughed in my face. <laughs> You're like, that's not something. So so it's it's a good way to put a layman's or yeah. a layman's term on it, right? But it's it's just to provide that body something yeah. new. Um, but with nutrition, I think it's more of, it's it's like another discipline that you're training. Mm-hmm. So you should be practicing it more often. Well, it brings my mind to sports where the sport is training. Right. Right. So competitive CrossFit. Right. Competitive powerlifting, competitive Olympic weightlifting. Right. Um, endurance. Right. Right. So are these people who are in are these people intermittent fasting? No. If they're not, they're not competing. Uh, so <laughs> I, at a high that, level that I have yeah that I would agree with right so once your training volume reaches a certain level right. the capacity to sustain consistent adaptations is diminished right when you are when you are not giving the body what it requires right and if you notice too and again I, I'm just speaking from a personal like observation what I've noticed is a lot of CrossFit athletes right? Don't consume the stereotypical CrossFit diet. Which is um, sweet potatoes and beef. Yeah. Like they, they have a nice, they'll have like a good mixture. Yeah, that's right. Or the other thing is, is they'll use like a supplement if they need to supplement that, yeah. right? You, you know, when I was competing, it was Vitargo. Yeah. Carbolin. Yeah. You can. Yeah, for sure. So all those things are like super important for you to consume. That's right. Right? Because 
again, we're trying to consume enough. Yes. Right? So I think you put it really well, like your output, if it's high, you better be consuming a lot. Yeah. Right? You have to be. How much time do you have? I have like 10 more minutes. Okay. I think, I don't know, I'm not sure the statistics of the percentage of listeners who are elite athletes versus general population, mm-hmm. but what, so I think we just actually said, yep. like what elite athletes should consider. Mm-hmm. Right? You need to eat frequently. Yep. Um, to support adaptation. For sure, definitely. Meaning, so, go ahead. Yeah, so one of the reasons, one of the things that I would actually sort of consider, let the athletes know who are listening, is what you do during your exercise is setting up for a good recovery. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you do, let's say, use an endurance runner, you go out for a two mile or two hour run, and you drink nothing. Right. You drink just plain old water you're going to be severely glycogen depleted Mm -hmm. after that, right? Greater than two hours. So keep going. Yeah. So if you do that, think about how much more carbohydrates you need to consume after. Yes. Right? Versus, oh, if you're drinking in what we call like an exogenous or like some type that you're actually drinking while you're exercising, carbohydrate, you're actually going to be restoring those those sort of like cells that they need carbohydrates Mm -hmm. sort of as you're going. Yep. As you're using glycogen. So what about general population? What what would be a takeaway from for, from the concern the, of, of this uh, listener? Well, we didn't even talk about it, but the whole idea about like binge eating disorder. Yep. I don't want to open up that can of worms, but my, that's my big fear when I hear somebody do, doing a cheat meal. Yeah. Right? Um, is we were talking about it before. We were actually looking up the DSM-5 and... You sort of, that's your, your book. So you can sort of talk on that, I guess, if you want. Sure. It's a slippery slope, but you know, a a binge eating episode is, it occurred, it's basically to meet criteria of a binge eating episode is three or more of, of symptoms like, um, you know, eating a large quantity of food, but uh, even though you're not physically hungry, feeling guilty or ashamed after eating, um, eating well past feel sense of fullness eating in solitude uh, because you feel embarrassed about how much you're eating yeah um so these are the things people need to consider when they're thinking about should i employ this as a as a means of maintaining uh a healthy body weight right and immediately while thinking of like those criterion that you sort of just mentioned or rolled over like a cheat meal checks a few of those off Yes. You know, I mean, like... I, it's 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 almost... No, I shouldn't say it's unavoidable. Yeah. It's, ju- it's just a very slippery slope. Yeah. Right? It's a 45-degree <laughs> uh, angle that's covered in ice. Right? right. It's going to be real hard. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I think, like, so for me, it's just like, because you see it, like, and I'm just going to use the rock again because that's the thing that keeps coming to mind. But when he has those huge plates of food, if you eat all of that, you're going to be uncomfortable full. Yeah. Right? And I always tell my patients, like, to eat to satisfaction versus fullness. Mm-hmm. Fullness, I always think of, like, Thanksgiving full. Yes. Right? Versus satisfied, like, oh, I actually that I feel good, mm-hmm. and it's actually going to energize me for the rest of the day. Right. What, what I get concerned about and what some of you had taught me is are people 
is this all like some type of yo-yo intervention? That right, this is this is a, a means to an end. Uh, so when I I reach X amount of time or X amount of leanness, I'm just going to go back. Right, right. It's, that's that's setting yourself up for failure in the long run. We, sure. we know, according to research, it's like this is how people gain more and more and more weight over time. Yeah. Versus consistently eating an amount of food that supports you feeling good. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I think it, it goes sort of, I use, I use two analogies, right? So one we talked about, but the whole idea about, imagine if you got a phone call at 8 o'clock at night as you're preparing supper that says, Pete, guess what? For the next 24, 48 hours, you can't drink water. You can't use the water system. It's bad. Bah, bah, bah. No, like, Powerade? No, no, this is no Powerade, no Gatorade. But imagine this, you can't drink water. Yeah. Immediately, you want to start drinking water. Yeah. Or when you get it, you're going to drink a lot of it after those 48 hours. Yes. Um, that's a big one because, again, you're thinking of all these factors that you want to do. You give a good example in your presentation. I'm going to give you guys 20 seconds to not think about a yellow Jeep. That's right. And everybody starts thinking about a yellow Jeep. It's yeah. the same thing with food. Yeah. It's very similar for the general population. So don't banish a food. Just learn to sort of a ways to control it. And there's different ways that you can. And that's what I help patients with. Why don't we wrap it up there? Yeah. Awesome job. Perfect. Chris. Thank you for joining me again. Thank you.